0: What is up everybody It is not Tuesday It is Wednesday <laughs> night Off <laughs> night for the Orion Podcast But anyway, uh, I'm Chad Brock And I'm Zach Baylor. Here we go what is up what is up what is up welcome back yeah 43 episode 43 orion podcast we are Stoked that you guys are here. We're going to pay a few bills here real quick. Um, kind of start talking about uh, some of the happenings around and about. But uh, anyway, first off, we would got to thank uh, Orion Coolers uh, for making this podcast possible. Obviously, Jackson Kayak, jacksonkayak.com. Uh, I mean, pick you up an Orion Cooler, pick you up a sweet kayak from one of our local dealers in your area. Um, yeah, big water, small water. River fishing, whatever you want, it is there at jacksonkayak.com. Grab yourself something up, um, also, cool new accessories. So, check those out. Um, Basco fishing, we love some Basco fishing. I uh, got some new swag coming out here this spring. Spring drop is coming from Basco swag. Um, so get ready, check them out. Um, then obviously casking can't do can't go fishing without casking. You gotta have casting in there so we can even make a cast so thanks to casking uh castking.com. check them out Zpro lithium batteries also keeping chad and zach casting all season long we appreciate the heck out of them dudes so yeah paid some bills yeah so it's about feels right. like it's
1: feels like it's been a minute since i've been here
0: it does feel like it's been a minute. It has been a minute. You missed the yeah. last episode. I ran it solo, but you was out busy. Uh, I was playing. Things.
1: Well, I was doing dad stuff that
0: night. Um, you've. Know, you I talked? Yeah. to I don't think you've been on the podcast since you was home from Thanksgiving. No. No yeah, Thanksgiving that was break a good we, connection. Yeah, put some meat in the cooler. And it, uh, put some meat in the cooler. Texted your buddy with the camera and said, "Hey." He's down. I was like, get this trail camera picture. So Zach sends me this trail camera picture, and it's this buck walking. He's like, he's on the ground. And I'm like, cool. He's, you know, buck's on the ground. He's walking. So that meant he's telling me that that deer is out there because there's this trail <laughs> camera photo. No, that's not what Zach meant.
1: No, so that, that, met, that, hey,
0: mm-hmm. hey, you should grab your camera and come help me. And I just,
1: I just put an arrow through the top of his heart, and uh, he is taking a dirt nap. So I mean, yeah, eight now hours was, later,
0: you get a text <laughs> that, <laughs> back. It's <that> tra- like,
1: <laughs> yeah, he walked past that trail camera, and about fifteen seconds later, had an arrow go through him. So
0: yeah, that was <laughs> that was my bad. I I misread that <laughs> text message, and yeah, my bad. So I my didn't. Fingers, get take- my fingers
1: were my fingers were cold. I was keeping my text short,
0: so. But <laughs> <laughs> something because like the trail camera picture totally threw me off. I was like, yeah. Not fishing. I was like had the whole morning open. I'm like, hey, well, you know, text me if you need me. And then it's like, yeah, <laughs> he's on the ground. I'm like, oh, cool. There's a bot. Yeah, He's walking across the trail camera. That's yeah. awesome. No, yeah. not what you meant. So no. I screwed that up. Yeah. I, I still apologize for that because I did screw that up. It's all good. I don't remember I, what I ended up doing that day.
1: I don't know. i drug him, over, drug him over to the base of the tree. I climbed back up there, hung out for a few more hours, hoping to stick a dough and fill that tag and i didn't but we got him in the cooler and got home and he's now processing in the freezer so
0: it's not a bad hunt you're not off to a bad start for hunting season you've got elk in the freezer you yeah. have the whitetail in the freezer and one more yeah. tag left to fill
1: yeah elk cow elk two deer and one tag left in my pocket so hopefully we can
0: yeah
1: make that make that happen around christmas time and we'll be good to go we'll for at, 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 at least eight or nine months. So
0: yeah yeah i mean if we just get you crappie fishing maybe you would like expand your horizons just a little bit too much red meat man you need some you need some crappie in there
1: there's no such thing as too much red meat
0: <laughs> there's really not <laughs> there's really not there might be for some folks but for uh you know
1: uh, no, yeah no we had elk we had elk sirloin tonight so it was it was good
0: hey hey can't be that Cannot beat that at all. We got some folks dropping in. Some of the good people, the regulars. The regulars are here. Can't ask for more than the regulars. No, I,
1: I mean, I. After our little teaser today, I would expect there to be a few more trickling tonight, but we shall see.
0: Well, you know, I think if we keep procrastinating and stall, maybe they'll just like give up on us or something. You never know. Yeah,
1: they might think we were just just teasing and just,
0: just leave. I actually got a call to ask if I was serious. <laughs> it's like i mean i can't put it out there and not be serious no that'd, that be nice. mean,
1: that'd, that'd be mean that'd be mean
0: No, we've honestly this is one we've
1: we've both had in the back of our mind for a long time and schedules are tough and we've finally worked it out
0: so we're we're excited i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna say it like the way it should be said but like i'm probably gonna get like a royalty fee or kickback from mercer but (laughs)
2: hold hold
1: on on. is there a fee i
0: i I, I don't
1: i don't know but i wondered today i was like man we need a soundbite of of mercer just screaming it but no i I
0: we talked about
1: this we talked about this last night too but i've been following this guy since he blew the fist whistle on stage in his first classic
0: tender sweets
1: yep the tender sweets days
0: like has won almost everything that Bass has to offer. Came back, took a little, took a little break. Went over, tried some different things. Came back, won more stuff. Yeah, he he is a, he he. We got to ask him.
2: <laughs> Body. Can you guys hear me?
0: We can now.
2: Okay, if if is it too loud? I can adjust. No, the you're good.
0: Perfect. It's perfect, perfect, dude. Good deal. So, I guess we're, like your intro kind of messed up the first question. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, do you still think like is Mercer? Does Mercer need to change your intro? Do you still feel at this point in the game is prodigy still the right word?
2: I, I that question has been brought up. Uh, I'm gonna hold on to it because I feel like I'm still young enough. Yeah. I, I I was talking to someone the other day about this, that I'm in this weird in between zone where I've been doing it long enough that I'm almost like from a, I guess competitive year standpoint legend, Mm -hmm. but I'm not old enough to feel like I should be in the legends category. (laughs) I'm only 36. So like I'm, in my mind, I'm still like 26. Oh yeah, 100. So percent I feel like I'm still on the young side of the spectrum, but I just happen to be a lot older than some of the guys coming in, and I've been doing it. You know, I've been around longer than a lot of the guys on tour now. So I'm I'm in this kind of weird zone, but I'm gonna hold on to the prodigy as long as possible. <laughs> And poss- possibly because I'm worried about what else may come out of his mouth. <laughs> that, like, I don't know what the alternative is. That's, that's a fair
0: concern. <laughs> that's a fair concern. It, it's funny, you know, when you listen to his podcast, like how he comes up with some of, you know, what he does. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Definitely a talented dude. But, yeah, dude, you're kind of 36. So, Zach's you and Zach are right there. I'm the old I'll guy. Be, I'll
1: be 36 in March. So, I'm not far behind you.
0: What what superhero movie was it, Zach? Where it's like you become, you stay you're around long enough that you become the villain. Like I've stayed around fishing long enough in my circle that I have become the old guy at 43. Like I can remember yeah. being in my 20s and like looking up to the old dudes at the ramp. And now it's like, dang it, I'm the old dude. <laughs> it's kind of set in this year. It's kind of weird. When, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> this year.
2: yeah Yeah. no i mean that's a real time this
0: year yeah it is it's it's weird um
2: well
1: well welcome to the podcast brandon
0: yeah
2: thank you it's a hot mess like you said we've been talking about this for a really long time (laughs) it's Uh, been a while i don't don't know why i waited to actually make it happen once i had like a three-week-old child Right. So I yeah. Think it would have been less busy before, but it actually just timing worked out where yeah. this time of year it's kind of slower, uh, a little slower, home, able <laughs> Ex- to make it except
1: work. for the newborn. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, you know, three <laughs> weeks old, they sleep most of the day.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. a new puppy. They tend to sleep like 16 <laughs> hours a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. I haven't met my puppy. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah, this is kind of funnels into the first question that I actually wanted to ask um, of you. But talking about the downtime and and where you're at right now, when you come home from the Elite Series after a year on tour, you got you and Tiff and Kyle and the kids now are all the way. How long and what is the process to kind of, decompress from an entire season and kind of like, you know, become
2: present again at home. Uh, for me, it's probably about a month. And thankfully our season ends about the end of August and archery elk season <laughs> starts the first week of September. So and, I can just disappear and, for a month. <laughs> yeah. And I have a, a very understanding wife uh, that knows I need that time to decompress. Like I go to the mountains to decompress and it's not that I want to get away from the fishing. I absolutely love it. You know, I still fish while I'm at home. Uh, you know, like the weather was nice today. I was like, man, I really should have went fishing today, but the, it, it's just kind of, I guess, taking a step back, uh, when you go to the mountains, Cell phone usually doesn't work, you know. I prefer to go to places where I don't have cell phone coverage, and you you really are able to kind of process those things. You don't have all of the distractions coming at you from 360 different degrees. And I think for me, that's it's an important process, right? Getting out there, sweating, doing physical work, hiking up and down the mountain, hopefully packing meat out, and that whole process. it grounds me i guess and uh i'm able to you know you get the anyone that has been out there on the mountain on a nice sunny september day when it's about 75 80 degrees and you find a shady tree and you just kick back and take a nap you may wake up 45 minutes later and feel like you slept for an eight hour night in your bed at home um you know it's like some of the best sleep i get and i wake up and I walk out of those mountains with so much clarity that, uh, that's, that's a big part of that process. And then I feel like once I do that, I kind of feel whole again. And then I'm able to kind of be at home, you know, and then take care of things at home. Cause the reality is is we spend more time away from home than we are home. So when we get here, there tends to be a lot of projects that need to be done, you know, like, We've been in our house uh, nearly five years now, and I'm still trying to finish the inside of my shop and get it dialed in. (laughs) You're almost there. (laughs) We're we're making, I made a lot of progress this year. Yeah. No, it's looking good. It's looking good. No, like you
1: said, I mean, you know, you spend seven, six, seven, eight months on the road. You guys are going nonstop. You know, you've got media, you and Kyle are always doing work, creating content. you I'm sure you've got, you know, interviews and everything else pulling all different directions, but then kick off, take off on a good hike, chase some elk and everything else kind of falls away. And you just get a single focus and just kind of, you can tunnel vision on elk for, you know, that length of time and just enjoying what's around you and where you are. And that's, you you know you described it really well it's when we're out there you just kind of look around most days and you're like man i cannot believe that i get to be here and do this and chase these animals
2: because the fact of the matter is very few people get to go do that yeah that's that's the reality of it and uh, thankful that i'm physically able to do it and uh, that i'm you don't know, have a quote-unquote job that allows me to go out there and i can go out there for a week if i want to um, and there's always still some obligations that carry over through September, but I can generally manage those time wise to be able to get out there. And what I've noticed is, like, you get toward the end of the year and, um, you know, op- contract obligations and things start uh, stacking up and deliverables start stacking up. And you can feel a lot of the pressure, or at least I do, where you get it from a lot of different directions. And it's like when you go out there, like you said, everything kind of just falls to the wayside. But as soon as I get home, it feel, it seems like when all that pressure kind of lifts, everything yeah. lines back up. Yeah. And then I can see the path forward versus standing you know, at a crossroads where you're like, I don't know what direction to go here. I don't know what to do. I feel overwhelmed. And you get out there and it's like time slows down and and you're able to really like take a step forward and you just start picking things apart and then next thing you know you're ahead of the game again Uh, i can remember uh i think it was like two maybe two years ago three years ago i spent a lot of time in the mountains in september Uh, more days than not and then at the end of the month i had to fly out for a show uh, to go to a banquet and when I got to the airport, I was looking around like, how do people live their lives like this? Like, everyone no. was in a hurry. Everyone's just like cutting people off. And I've been out there just chasing elk around, listening to birds sing. And like <laughs> this, like this is just not the way it, it put it into perspective for me. I was like, this is not the way that I want to live my life. I love traveling. I love being around people and seeing things, but I have to have like that connection to the outdoors yeah. to, to survive really. Yeah.
1: I usually get nine days straight in September and it's no joke. Like when, it, when we're done and when Evan drops me off the airport and I have to reintegrate into society, yeah. it takes me. a minute. Yeah. It's just I've, I've had guys, you know, people just like randomly start chatting and want to carry on a conversation in the airport. I'm like, I'm going to need a minute, <laughs> <So I've laughs> not talk to anybody in eight and a half days. <laughs> yep. but
0: sometimes no, the quiet journey is the best journey though um so when you're on tour and you know that this is ahead so when you're you you take care of yourself you do a lot of running and different things not only to keep yourself good for the grind of the tour but when you're out there and you're running and it's been a long day efficient do you ever just kind of like take yourself out to the mountains and use that as the fuel to like keep you going when you're on your runs and working out and different things
2: yeah i would say at times like you just think about those and especially the closer it gets to september right as soon as august 1st rolls around i'm still in fishing mode but there's definitely mm-hmm. a shift in my brain of like hey you probably should make sure you're in, in enough <laughs> shape that you can hike <laughs> can elk out or you can hike for three or four days straight uh yeah. you know because i'm usually in enough shape that i can go hunt really hard for one day mm-hmm. but it's being able to do it two, three, four, five days in a row is where the preparation ahead of time really pays off and uh I, i've just got to the point where i understand that going for a run or doing something like generally just something that makes you sweat some sort of physical activity does so much mentally uh i mean obviously it has its physical benefits but the mental side of it for me is generally what i get the most out of it
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah no it's i mean that's that's one thing i think a lot of folks because the
1: physical is so focused on you know the physical benefits and attributes and everything like that the mental side and the stress management and the mental clarity and just being able to get out work sweat and clear your mind just would help so many
2: more people more than they realize yep totally agree and that's why uh even when it's not the most convenient i try to do it and i'm not the best like i'm not disciplined as much as i should be on it or as much as I'd like to be, uh, but it's uh, it's definitely times when you're just like I'll feel kind of groggy or slow, and those are the hardest times to go. But uh, I- I've never been on a run that I regretted. Right. It's like generally, when I get done with it, I'm, like, I'm glad I did that, and it doesn't have to be far. When, I'm, when you're sitting on the couch, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have a time to go for a run. But really, you only need to go for 15 or 20 minutes. That is such a small, small portion of your day. But <laughs> yeah. it can oh, yeah. seem so astronomical before you take that first step.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the real question, I, I think people at home are going, they're going to want to know. Who's faster, you or Kyle?
2: <laughs> Kyle. Kyle's faster, for sure. He's got a longer, longer leg.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: he runs way more than I do. Uh, the best is watching him and Carl Jockamson race. Yeah. You can yeah, imagine. They talk a lot of smack <laughs> to each other. And uh, I don't know. I think they're... I think Kyle's been beat twice. I think long distance... Kyle would probably get him, but in a sprint, Carl smokes him.
0: <laughs> talking about Carl and, and the hunting to combine that conversation just a little bit. Yeah,
1: how
0: has how has that been to take him out to the mountains and kind of help mentor him through this journey that he's taken into into hunting?
2: That's been awesome. Uh, people that don't know. Carl, uh, Carl Jacobson, he's from Australia and he fishes on the Bassmaster Elite Series against me, with me, however you want to call it. <laughs> We're competing against each other, technically. Uh, and then. he, We became friends like super early on before he ever made the elites. It was early on in my career. Uh, he ended up marrying my cousin, which I had nothing to do. They figured <laughs> that out on their own. And which works out great for me because it's way easier to get one of my best friends up here because her family still lives up here. So during the off season, we got elk hunting, their family's here. It's a no brainer for them to come up the same time we do. And uh, it's been really awesome to have somebody uh, that is really willing to go the distance. You know, there's, there's never like, oh, I don't want to go over that mountain. You know, right. it's like, there's a bull bugling over there. And then it's generally you look at each other. like We're going, we're going, <laughs> you know, like, there's not really ever a, like, I don't know. That might be too far. Uh, it's like, let's go. And then we'll figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's important to have guys, girls around you, whatever it may be that have that same mentality when they, when you go after it and, uh, it's been awesome to have him in that and then be able to see his growth and his successes. And one of his best friends from Australia came over this year and uh, me and our buddy, Dan, were pretty busy. Um, You know, we weren't able to go the whole time with them and he came over for three weeks. And the, the big thing was is that he had to do all the calling on his own and he had to make the stocks on his own and the game plans and uh, he had a this year and a ton of close calls and and didn't you know end up shooting one during archery season and he was supposed to leave at the end of september and ended up staying till the end of october so that he could hunt (laughs) the four days of rifle season and then he ended up filling his tag in rifle season uh with the biggest bull that he shot so far so it's been it's been cool to see that journey and kind of him grow through that, uh, and just like there's a lot of clarity that comes personally. There's a lot of deep conversations that happen out there in the woods when you're out there with your buddies. Like there's a de- there's a different connection that happens when you're out there uh, versus like if you're just in your house in your living room. I feel like there's a, a deeper mm-hmm. connection with the people that you spend with out there.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you're out there suffering together a lot of times, depending on what you're doing, you know? Yeah. uh, We dropped, we we took a buddy of ours this year, and uh, normally it's just Evan and I that go out, and we kind of, you know, we know each other's limits and what we can take and how hard we need to push. And, and we're generally, we've both got the, you know, that same attitude of, if we hear a bull bugle, two ridges over, it's not a question. It's all right. What time do you think we're going to get there? Um, you know, how fast can we hike it? But took a buddy of ours this year and he had never really done uh, an extended, you know, backpack in backcountry hunt, like we typically do. And we, we pushed him pretty hard and we kind of took it easy on day two after we got in and set camp. And then day three, we dropped 1500 feet in elevation. (laughs) I think we, we put the screws to him that night coming out, but, it uh, you know, it was a lot of that. You know, he's in pain, and you know, we're we're both, you know, being as positive as encouraging as we can be, and and pulling him up out of there, and you know, nobody's dogging on each other. Seriously, we might yeah <laughs> razz each other a bit, but it uh, you know, like you said, it's it's a different connection when you're out there because you're you're going through a lot of different emotions on an elk hunt. If if you've never been on one, it is a roller coaster ride.
2: Yeah. And th- there's a lot of similarities that I see um, to the fishing side, right? Somewhat um, when you have those times when you really have to dig deep, you know, you kind of come to a, a type of crossroads you're like, I, I have to make a decision. You don't know which, which way to go. Um, you know, like, should I run over and, you know, fish that contour line or should I, go over this next ridge, I have a really bad habit of like curiosity and <laughs> it ends up making <laughs> me walk a lot further than I should uh, yeah. or burn a lot more gas in my boat than I should because I'm always like, ah, one more spot. Like maybe it's the next spot. Maybe it's the next spot. Uh, and there's that similarity there, but it when you you spend enough time in both areas, you start to gain that confidence in your decision making process. You start to understand kind of the habits of each one and i i love that process you know where you it starts to click and it starts to make sense and you're not second guessing like you know like should i do this or should i do that when something happens you're instantly that i need to go do this you know or i need to make this move or uh you know like that bowl's hung up at 50 60 yards like I used to think all the time and, but now I'm able to kind of run through like how that bull's reacting, yeah. what it sounds like, what the terrain's like, this is what we need to do. Uh, and it, it just takes time out there, you know, and, and fishing's the same way. It's like, you know, that a fish reacts to your bait or you conditions change and it's like, okay, now we got muddy water and we got bright bluebird skies and uh, the fish are probably going to be sucked up tight to cover. And then there's a lay down. Okay, I'm going to pick up a spinner bait. Okay, water's dirty. It's going to be white and chartreuse. I'm going to do double Colorados. I'm fishing shallow. I'm going to go three eighths ounce. You know, there's like all of these little pieces of the puzzle that over time just become subconscious. You know, I don't even think about it anymore. I just reach in the box and do that. Or I, you move a certain way in the woods. Uh, and that's, that's, that process to me is the most fun. And I guess like yeah. going back to the Carl conversation, I've been able to see him do that on both sides on the fishing side and the hunting side. Um, and we're able to connect on both of those and when you connect with someone like that, it just makes it that much more exciting. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and it going through all that, it's kind of the,
1: the wisdom versus knowledge conversation, right? You know, knowledge is knowing yeah. the facts and having all the information. Wisdom is, hey, I've been here before. I know what this situation looks like. Now let's put the pieces to the puzzle together and roll. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: And like, I mean, I think even, you know, just just watching you on the Elite Series, I feel like I've seen an evolution in just your style. Like, I feel like now you're at the point where you pretty much just go out there and do all things well. Just kind of like your Santee, tournament i mean you look back at that and it's like you know you kind of won that in a different way than what we're accustomed to seeing i think when we're as viewers you know how long has that evolution Mm -hmm. been in play do you feel like you're always learning new techniques different strong points every year or is it just something that's like man i'm just gonna go for it and whatever happens happens
2: i I think that's been happening my whole life uh what most the funny thing is that on you know the national level, I'm more known for drop shotting, you know, finesse stuff, but really I grew up more power fishing, um, mm-hmm. flipping, crankbaits, spinner baits, big swim baits, all those types of things in it. And so Santee Cooper really fit into my wheelhouse for that. You know, obviously we don't have cypress trees and swamps in idaho but that that style of fishing those techniques i was very comfortable with uh and so but for me that was a personal win right because i've always wanted to win a tournament doing that like those are the techniques Mm -hmm. that i love to do i love power fishing heavy line heavy weights and and to be able to do that kind of a shallow water dirty water tournament that was a you know obviously a win but also a personal win on that level and that was i I guess that's where you want to get to right is where you feel comfortable no matter what situation you're throwing into that you're able to figure it out and one thing that i've always tried to keep in mind is uh like not forcing a bite to happen or having too many preconceived notions and just being really fluid with what's happening in those situations, right? Like what is happening this week? One, a lake may be known for certain techniques or certain areas of the lake, but what's happening this week, you know, and where's the best place to go catch them with these conditions. What's the best base to catch them with in these conditions. And I feel like that's what's really helped me out to the point where I'm at now. And going into my 14th year now which is crazy to think about that you gain a lot of that confidence right where you don't second guess a lot of those decisions you're comfortable i'm i'm super comfortable with my equipment i don't have to second guess any of my equipment that helps and and then just really focusing on all the little changes and then making those adaptations Yeah.
0: So moving kind of into the fishing space a little bit after you came back from vacation, we're going to call it in, in to the elite series, um, you know, did you ever, I mean, a lot of people, when everybody went on vacation, they thought, Hey, you know, this is, you know, not as many of these guys, but are you, after coming back from vacation, are you impressed with how many of these guys have like, really stepped up some of the new faces that are out there and just how tough the
2: competition and how stacked it really is now. I think top to bottom, the elites are tougher now than they've ever been just as a, as a complete whole. If you were to take just like the best 20 or 30, it might be a wash, but Mm -hmm. from top to bottom, as a whole i think the elites are tougher now because a, a lot of the guys that are fishing there we've been teaching how to steal our jobs for 20 <laughs> 30 years right like sure yeah. a lot of people don't think about that the amount yeah. of information that is out there now for free that anyone can go get we're, we're teaching people how to go catch fish and we talk about it and how to run your electronics and use these baits in these situations. And there's so much information out there and, uh, you know, a a younger generation, which I'm still part of because I came into it with technology and a lot more of that than the guys before me. But there wasn't as much information when I was coming up, you know, Mm -hmm. when I decided eight years old, I want to do this for a living. I really had Bassmaster Magazine and the television show. And the magazine would come out and I'd read about it and I'd try to duplicate it. Or I'd see it on a TV show and I'd try to duplicate it. And now you can get it. Whatever information you want on how to go catch a bass in any condition, just about anywhere possible in the world, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And so we're, we're educating all of the new guys coming up for much longer, right? They've had that source of information, and so that's, I think, that's just what's made those the the cut lines, the check lines, like all of that has just elevated. Um, you know, I think the the top of the that top level is probably about a wash, but I, I the only difference is that the guys fishing now just haven't had 20 or 30 years to build that name or to build that brand. But from a capability standpoint, they're lethal on the water. You can't slip up.
0: I mean, some of the weights this past season were just, like when you guys went up on the north swing it was like holy i mean it was amazing i mean just yeah. every single day what was brought in and how much it took to make the cut zach and i are texting back and forth and it's just like
2: it's unreal yeah, yeah I, it it blew my mind and a lot of them um you know you go and you're like oh i think it'd be 18 pounds to make the cut right like 18 pounds a small mouth a day <laughs> that's pretty stout next yeah. thing you know it was like nearly 20 pounds he yeah. was getting to the point where it's like whatever you think it's going to be add two pounds because that yeah, thing, it was, and it's not going to fall off like if anything the weights are going to go up on day two
0: yeah i think you know and like you like a, scott martin's series you you kind of watch it and you you kind of look at his flw days when he was doing that and they always planned on the weights dropping. And then when he comes over to the elite series, he's kind of like kind of got that same idea in his head you, you see it. And now looking after a couple of years, it's like they don't drop, they go up and, and seeing him start to realize that this is like a whole new game is just, yeah, it's really telling of just how good these guys are.
2: Yeah. That was always the joke is that FLW was double minus a pound and the elites <laughs> was double out of pound. like to calculate you know you'd you double day one's weight and then add a pound in the elites and that would be about what your cut weight would be and you'd always joke around like flwb which is (laughs) no longer anymore but i think it's the tackle warehouse invitationals uh that it would always be like double minus a pound i don't know if that still (laughs) holds true or not but that was always the joke when it was the flw tour that is funny yeah it's
1: it just seems as you know as you guys kind of get things nailed down and you just you kind of you start following them and you know where they're going and kind of get a sixth sense about things and the the weights just (laughs) the way they get stronger is crazy yeah exactly
0: dude talking about the teaching these kids i mean we had jason sealock on from wired to fish um A few podcasts ago, you know, they have literally probably got a tip on that website for every day of the week for 365 days a year. So, I mean, and a video now that you can either read it or or it's a video. Now it's, it's incredible what that, just that one publication and you
2: guys all working together have put out. Yeah, that, I mean, Wired to Fish is a perfect example of that. I mean, you can, you're not just getting random information you're getting some of like the best of the best information that there is possible out there guys that have spent thousands and thousands of hours on the water and then it's like here it is in a 15 minute master class <laughs> for free <laughs> yeah yeah you might have yeah, to watch an ad but here it is for free yeah i mean we <laughs> asked
0: Jason, this question will ask you too, like when a new technique comes out, how long do you spend like trying to learn it? Like what's that process look like when something's fresh and new or an idea is new? Let's put it that way.
2: I'm the type of guy that I I won't just jump on every technique. If I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it fits into, I guess, kind of like my style of fishing, Mm -hmm. then I just, I'll, I just won't do it. Um, like a Ned rig is a perfect example I know people have caught thousands hundreds of thousands of ass on a Ned rig and I'll throw it every once in a while but it's like I have to quit throwing something else to throw that and I still have enough confidence in a drop shot or something else that I, I don't feel like I have to get rid of something else to replace it with a Ned rig even though I know there are times where it'll probably outfish certain techniques. I still have enough confidence in kind of my core base of techniques that I don't feel like I need to add that one into it. Um, you know, but there's, and it's different now at this stage of my career versus when I first started, because I I hadn't seen all of the things like one of my biggest weaknesses was, uh, deep crankbaits we just didn't have places where our fish got on offshore ledges and uh, would school up in these great big giant schools and you know you could catch them on a big crank bait or a big spoon we just didn't have that stuff a lot of my top 10s have come from those types of tournaments now right? whether it's on the tennessee river or lake fork or toledo you know like those those types of fisheries have turned into some of my favorite places to fish and some of my favorite ways to fish, but I had to learn that the first tournament I won was on a deep crank bait, but I, I didn't really know anything about deep cranking, but I had spent like what a lot of people don't know is I spent a week and a half before that on uh Douglas Lake actually, because we had an elite coming up there later in the year. I went there and I spent a week and a half deep cranking and throwing spoons. And I didn't expect to go to bull shoals and do that, but I had gained so much confidence in it the week, week and a half before that when I got there and then the conditions lined up for it, I was like, perfect. I just did this all last week and crushed them. I just pulled the same rod out with the same baits and just go to work. And, uh, and you know, and then you build that confidence and you build it a little bit more and be, and then not just, becomes one of your core techniques i guess well having having
1: confidence in a technique or a specific bait and knowing the intricacies of that to me even on a day when maybe that technique isn't perfect is going to be more deadly for you than going to something that may be a better suited technique but you just are not nearly as familiar with it right
2: yeah i mean that the old saying like confidence is the number one lure in your tackle box that's actually a real thing as cheesy and cliche as it sounds (laughs) it's actually a real thing because you can have two guys throwing the exact same bait same weight everything throwing at the same spot and one guy will outfish the other one same color everything but the guy that's outfishing the other one may be more familiar more comfortable with the technique and and he's in the moment, right? He's paying attention every turn of the reel handle. And that can, that makes a big difference, right? If you have a confidence in a bait, you're like, I know if he's down there, he's going to bite it. And that's where you want to get. And uh, I feel like the last three or four years, that's been my biggest strength is just looking at a a place or a a condition and saying, I'm going to throw this. If I don't get a bite on it, because there's not a bass there. And then you just move on, right? Versus pulling up to a tree and you're like, ah, I need to throw 15 or 16 different things to see if there's a tree in it or a, a bass in that tree. Right. Uh, I'll roll up to that tree and be like, okay, I'm going to throw a spinnerbait down this tree, didn't bite it. Okay, I'm going to flip here, here, here. Okay, there's no bass here. Move on. And that, that process gets you moving and finding active fish much quicker, uh, versus, you know, saying like looking at it and thinking, Oh, I I need to figure out what the secret bait is. Cause a lot of times there's not a secret bait. It's more or less getting in the right areas and applying the right techniques or the right style of bait to those conditions.
0: How about secret areas, you know, there's enough people fishing now. Do you feel like there are still secret areas?
2: <laughs> there's a few, but there's definitely a lot less. There's yeah, a yeah. lot, yeah. lot less. I mean, I I used to have a lot on Lake Ontario and I there's not many. There's <laughs> there's a few where uh like this year there's one area that I'd, I've never seen a boat and I didn't make the cut this year and I was angry. And I'm watching Bass Live and it's just making me more angry. And they turn the camera on Taku. And I look and I, and I look at Kyle. And he's sitting next to me on the couch. I'm like, is that the same buoy we just fished around all day yesterday? <laughs> he's like, oh my. He's like, I think it is. And he pulls up some of the footage that he has on his camera. And I'm like, yep, same buoy. <laughs> and so i talked to taku later and he's like oh yeah 105 pounder everywhere five pound i'm like
0: Disney, man. which
2: i i caught 22 pounds there i mean i i had a big bag the second day but uh i just couldn't dig myself out of my day one hole but i i had never seen a boat there and he had left and i had showed up after he had left on day two and didn't know he he was fishing around there. Never saw a boat within sight. You know, it was glass calm, and I never saw another bass boat. And here Taku is over there, just putting a beat down on him.
0: He's so, been a fun one to watch for sure. Yeah, it's just, it's just, he's just funny to watch. I mean, it's not that he's funny. It's just he's fun. I mean, this whole smallmouth Disneyland thing was. Was epic. It was just, it was good. It was good TV. Yeah. Um. So we've got a few questions from people that are chiming in here. I'm going to twist this question a little bit. Number one, who came up with cut ice cream? And now that cut ice cream is a well known thing and it's been out for a while, where is the best place to get said ice cream?
2: Uh, that was, I, it was kind of my doings, I guess. I am going to say it was a team decision. This is how it happened. Tiff and Kyle have a really bad sweet tooth. And so they would make sure there was ice cream in the camper every single night. You know, it'd be like in the freezer, which means you have to have less elk meat in the freezer to fit room for ice cream in the freezer. Right. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy who am like, if it's not there, I don't need it. I'm fine mm-hmm. with sweet stuff. But they're like, we got to have it. But if it's there, I'm usually going to eat it. And I'm like, all right, guys, we have to stop this because like, <laughs> I, I can't be eating a bowl of ice cream. And I'll even if it's like at the camp or whatever, I'll get this little small bowl, you know, and then they get a big, giant bowl. I was like, all right, enough. we're not doing this every single night. So I was like, if I make the cut, then we can go get ice cream and that like that's how it came about so it became cut ice cream because i have to make the cut then we'll go get ice cream it started out as a joke <laughs> and then it just kind of became like a thing a tradition and then some years we eat a lot more ice cream than others and you know and then we made a t-shirt with it and a logo and some hats and next thing you know people are posting like we got our cut ice cream when a guy wins a tournament or he makes a cut on a multi-day deal and Uh, that's kind of how it it came about. Normally the go-to is Dairy Queen because they're in like every small town in America. And so that's what's readily available most of the time. We prefer uh, like local places. So we'll we'll always try to find a local joint if there is one around that's convenient. Um, And then, I mean, sometimes it ends up being gas stations and we go in the little like freezer bin and open <laughs> up and grab a Snickers ice cream or something. So, uh, it's, it's varied. I'm one classic at, uh, in Dallas, we went to one of those like nitro ice cream places or whatever, where they make it right in front of you. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Was so good. It's expensive, but it's really yeah. good. I Sometimes the good stuff's worth it. Yeah.
0: All right. Next audience question. And, and this is kind of like, I and mean, you, you have, you've won it and you've probably been asked this before, but the kayakers are out tonight because we have some kayak patrons, a, a little sponsorship back there. Um, you've, you've won it almost every level of bass except the kayak thing. Yeah. <laughs> When's it, when are you going to take the OT out? And uh, and try to
2: try to get that win in the kayak division. Uh, I mean, I would like to. Uh, it's probably going to be a little while because uh, we actually just got a different camper, so I don't have my toy hauler anymore. I'm packing like packing thirteen foot kayaks around with That's two kids much. under two is the yeah. Just a lot takes up a lot of space, <laughs> yeah. And so do cribs and toys, oh, yes, and crawlers all the that come with little baby <laughs> chitlins. And uh, <laughs> so it might be a while. Um, uh, the hardest part is lining it up. I was gonna fish one last year, uh, mm-hmm. and was planning on going to the Caddo Bistino tournament. I think it was might have been a Hobie series that i was going to go do there yeah it Uh, was and then something came up where i ended up not being able to go oh it was my boat when my boat got smashed at the classic and then i had to deal with figuring out what i was going to do with that boat how i was going to get another boat before the next tournament i was like tiff i don't think we can drive all the way to louisiana and back and get this next next boat rigged and ready for the next tournament. I was like, it's we're just gonna have to not go. So now it might be a while, but I, I would love to uh, to do it because I I I enjoy the kayak thing, and I never got mine. I never rigged them out and put graphs and everything on them. I used them as just like old school. Look at the water, figure out how to catch a bass go out there and and do it and uh that that was super enjoyable to me but if i fetched a tournament there's no way i'm going out there competing for money and not being like oh i'm gonna put a (laughs) solex right here i'm gonna have some mega 360 you know i'm gonna deck it out so i'm at
0: least on par
2: with everyone else
0: you can't let ike be the only one that has that claim to fame somebody's you're gonna have to step in there and take it from him
1: know i almost started this podcast by yelling folks at home folks at home but i didn't
0: <laughs> wow. it's probably a catchphrase too like prodigy we owe mercer twenty dollars an hour now you owe i can le five yeah. but so what would really be cool is you know kyle's out there with you guys what if you entered kyle in a kayak tournament that would be uh
2: <laughs> Maybe I that would wish be just that fine. upon all all of my kayak friends uh, <laughs> he did fish as a co angler in the opens he he fished a yeah. couple of those, which was quite entertaining uh, but if it, in twenty twenty I needed uh, someone to link up with me and he linked up on a couple of them and that was yeah, that was something else. It was a mess, I can imagine but a, a kayak one would be great. And I would definitely pay somebody. Chad, I, I'll offer it to you. I mean, if you're fishing against him. I will pay good money for someone just to accidentally tip his kayak. Over.
0: There's, there's two Sony cameras right there. If you get him this way, I will personally go film. I will be Kyle's Kyle for the day and film the entire episode i'll oh, even be... supply the boat we've got we have no shortage send him on <laughs> send like, him to indiana for a weekend yeah, it'll be great hop in, the,
2: hop in the jackson and see what yeah, you can do
0: see what you can do we'll put him we'll put him out there i make no promises but yeah <laughs> if it comes towards the end of the day and he's not doing very good i may give him a nudge um <laughs> and just be like well i was paid to do this and just roll on um
1: just business, talking about kyle.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> talking about kyle the series has been something that has been awesome to watch evolve how much of how much of your style goes into kyle's edits like you're a, you you enjoy taking pictures and you're not a slouch in that department yourself like how much input do you have when he edits a video like as far as the layout the look the color i mean at first did you have and has he and how much of it's Kyle? I guess is the best question.
2: I would say it's nearly all him. Honestly. Um, you know, we we talk about it through all of our conversations and stuff of like the look and we'll try different things and stuff and we'll talk about those things. But I don't sit down and like go through the edits with him and like, oh, you should do this or you should do that. Um, sometimes even when we premiere them and this has yeah. gotten us in trouble yeah. but like, we'll premiere them and i haven't even seen him until the actual premiere <laughs> wow and, like, and one time he accidentally turned the volume off of one of the edit layers in oh. premiere and so the whole like first quarter of the video had no music oh, for no. the premiere we ended up taking it down after the premiere and then loading the right one on I think but I remember that the, the whole first part of it, we're just texting each other like, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible." <laughs> People still loved it because they didn't know, but we yeah, both but... knew like, "This is really weird." Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and and so I've tried to at least do that. Um, but honestly, when when he first came on in 2018, he had never been in a bass boat. He had never filmed any fishing content. Or any of that he grew up doing some fishing with his dad and stuff but no tournaments he didn't know anything about it didn't know the structure didn't know what a blast off was none of that Uh, and i just you know threw him out there was like hey here's your camera boat driver gave him a quick rundown of like what we're going to do for the day it's like hold on and film (laughs) you know I i didn't give him a ton of direction because i wanted to See what he could do through his lens, right? Like, I looked at his lack of knowledge of it as a positive because I wanted people, I wanted him to be able to film it in a way that he understood it because I knew then that people had, that had never seen a tournament or never been to one or followed one or fished one would be able to understand it, you know, because he would be able to film it in a, a similar way or edit it in a similar way that they would be able to understand it. So if I could get him to understand it, other people that hadn't been in the sport would understand it. And that might bring more people into the sport. And he crushed the first one. And I've just never, I've never went through and been like, you should do this or you should do that. i just let him run with it. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll try different things and try some different music. And uh, he's just continually gotten better and better and better and better
1: yeah for sure no i think that was the the best approach you could have taken i mean it when you guys started that it was something completely new content wise in the space and that's what i think chad and i enjoyed so much about it was it was just it was more cinematic it was
0: felt younger
1: it did it felt a lot younger because we're all i mean we're all used to the old tv shows you know and just kind of the it's the same with bow hunting TV, right? It's just mm-hmm. kind of always been filmed in a very methodical. You know, we're doing interviews back in the studio yeah. at the house, and you know, telling the story. And you guys just went about it, kind of combining cinematic with vlog style and stuff like that. And it, it it did it brought it you know brought it up to date and is entertaining. I love yep. it.
0: that There's anything wrong with Bill dance's show? It's still got no. it. No, it's incredible, I like but I didn't
2: want that style of music <laughs> or anything. like I yeah. you look at my Spotify Raptor, whatever they're called, like 95% of it's gonna be country because I listen yeah. to country more than anything. Right. But we never put country on one of the our like our series <laughs> videos, you yeah. Know, even though that's what both of us listen to more than anything, yeah. Um like I wanted to bring a different style. Um, so thank you for noticing that, uh, Yeah, I yeah, want to bring that absolutely. different style to the sport. Uh, that was kind of always one of my things and I enjoyed the filming aspect of it, but I knew I wanted, to, there was things that I couldn't capture just with having a GoPro strap to the back of the boat or to the console. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to give a different look and give that kind of third person perspective, uh, that he's been able to provide. He says he's coming back again next year, so that's a good thing. I guess we'll be doing yeah, it again.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like the YouTube series has been, like, such a good investment of not only your time, but, I mean, it's also I mean, Kyle doesn't work for
2: free, obviously. Oh, no. No, financially, it costs me a lot of money. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah
1: and food and and, you know just to kyle food (laughs) ice cream
0: snacks all those things but
2: you got to invest in yourself
0: at some point
2: yeah i and and that's what i did you know i just gambled i had thought about it for years and years before i actually got comfortable to where i I was willing to kind of pull the plug on and do it and and then that first year we did i was like okay this is kind of cool and then uh and i actually had a different guy film for me the first year and then he -hmm. ended up going a different direction two weeks before the first tournament i called kyle and uh he's like yeah i'll do it (laughs) And, and, and then he's been with us ever since 2018 um and so i i feel like from a monetary standpoint it hasn't been a direct correlation of like we film this and this is what we get from it but right. from a brand building standpoint um yeah. and kind of staying ahead of the curve and and really building like a a core fan base it's been huge because very rarely does someone come up to me at a a trade show or even an elite tournament and they're like man I love watching you on Bass Live, or I love watching you on on the television show or something. It's always, man, I love your YouTube series. man we love watching your YouTube series right and that's when it really started to set in where I was like man i I don't care if I'm lo- not necessarily losing money because I just don't have anyone directly paying for it. That we don't have anyone sponsoring it. Go RVing sponsored it for a couple years, Mm -hmm. uh, and then they went another direction, and like that was great. But I was like, I can't stop doing it because I don't have a sponsor for it. Like I have to keep doing this because I saw the benefits of it from that fan base, Uh, and and I think now the approach to it is like I have this giant catalog of most of my career now. Yeah. Uh, you know, nearly half of my career has been filmed. Both years I won Angler of the Year have been filmed. Um, I mean, almost everything outside of the literal birth of my first child was filmed. You know, like <laughs> trying to get to the hospital and like all <laughs> of that crazy back, yeah. stuff. Like <laughs> You know driving 28 hours straight with kyle and like filming that and all of that process we have that footage that you can't put a monetary value on no
0: absolutely not
2: that's awesome it it costs very little to hit that record button yeah well Well. tell my bank account that
1: In terms of just recording the actual
2: footage. Zach Zach, are you
0: are you saying you're cheap? Um no, I no, I know what my camera gear costs. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, but no man, it, it is it has been very awesome to watch the channel and you know you guys do it in a way, and and Scott Martin does it in a way too, where you guys have Not only is it about you or Scott, you guys also have brought in your friends like Kyle, your wife, Tiffany, and they are also characters on your show or video. And I think that also Carl even is now. I mean, it, it adds a lot of dynamic to what people see. I think that makes it so well-rounded. I mean, you get the fishing, but then you've also kind of got like a backstory with you guys and it just really brings it all together.
2: Yeah. The, the fishing is, that's just a part of our life. Right. right? And it's, it's showing all of that other stuff is what makes us relatable. Yeah. Yeah. me, Me and Kyle get together and we can be serious, but we also have the sense of humor of a 13 year old boy. (laughs) and sometimes that gets us in trouble but like we laugh really hard like there's lots of times in the camper that and tiff's not completely innocent sometimes she has a sense of humor of a 13 year old boy too which is the only way it works (laughs) right but there's there's plenty of times that we are all three dying laughing in tears over some of the dumbest stuff but (laughs) like that that uh i I guess like that camaraderie is is part of it right the fishing is part of it the other anglers like we want to bring all of that uh and and do it in a a realistic light but through a positive lens good answer i like that yeah
1: i mean covering you know, like I said, the fishing is part of it, but just the general circus that can be—I'm sure—living in the camper on the road with, with everyone. On the it is. There. I always love too when he goes to somebody on the dock pre-launch for the morning words of wisdom, and James Overstreet's face pops up on camera. Oh yeah, because yeah. you never know what's coming out his mouth. No, for sure.
2: and that—that's been that's for me been one of the coolest <laughs> things to see is. The connection that everybody else has with him also mm-hmm. right i mean when he goes to the tournaments it, everyone there knows who he is you know all the bass staff the anglers like he just part of that traveling circus crew right uh and so he just walks around like he owns the place <laughs> and everyone is giving him a hard time and uh talking smack to him and that uh that is really cool, right? Because it, it makes that whole experience better. He's not just a statue holding a camera. Yeah. He, he's probably been around those events longer than some of the folks that are still working.
1: The events.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, let's see, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, he's going into his seventh year, which is yeah. crazy. So oh. he's, he's filmed nearly... He's filmed over 60, over 60 events. Wow.
0: Has he asked for the A9 so yet?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. The A9 <laughs> is so trash. <laughs> I shouldn't say it's so trash because I kind of want to sell it, but uh that thing has seen some some better days. Why has he
0: seen has he asked for the new one though?
2: Oh the new A9, no. Yeah. He, he buys his own camera equipment. Mm-hmm. He's he's a contractor. He's an independent he's contractor. contractor. Own con- we understand that, but he does. <laughs> like he has a. Uh, you, you get. You said you have Sony, so you're familiar with. Oh, this yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. He had the Gen One seventy to two hundred two eight. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, and yeah. then I bought the Gen Two version, which is <laughs> crisper and yeah, sharper, and it's lighter. And he'd be like. Can I, can I borrow your 70 to 200? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. And then he trashed his 24 to 70. So I got, he got welding sparks or something on the lens. So it's got all these little dots on it. I don't know. Can I use that? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it, it goes both ways uh <laughs> this is actually his lens <laughs> that i've been holding nice. hostage this is our newest one is that is, the two uh, to six yeah the thing's a yeah. beast it is so good for filming oh man on the water and right hunting stuff like he didn't yeah. with me this year but that's a good one for that yeah for sure it's on my list, <laughs> yeah. And if, it's on honestly, list. for what it is, it's not that expensive because it's not a right. G master, right? So it's still reasonable,
1: yeah. Yeah, if it was a G master, it'd be 10 grand,
2: yeah. It'd be like the yeah. 600, the 600 prime. Yeah. That thing's ridiculous. Oh man, we have actually
0: dabbled with some of the Zach has got one of the newer Tamron lenses, and I've got the. I've got a super zoom Tamron that I take out on the water. So I don't take my Sony's out in the kayak. Um My prime lenses, but the Tamron set 28 to 200, it fills a lot of gap, especially, you know, for kayak fishing, I think it does mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, But yeah, Tamron stuff ain't bad either. The price is Well, decent.
1: I, I drooled over the 70 to 200 G master forever. Oh, for sure. And, and couldn't couldn't talk myself into it and then Tamron went and came out with a 35 to 150 F two to 2.8 and I was like that's cheaper and fills a wider focal length. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's awesome in the tree stand because I can, you know, a wide angle and I can still, you know, talk to camera. And then I obviously I got a longer focal length to zoom in with and the depth of field's great. It's just, Stupid crispy. It's, still, too. It's, still, it's, still, it's crispy. It gives good compression. It's not, it's not heavy. Um, it's yeah. actually, it's light enough. It doesn't have a tripod foot on it. Like the 70 200 does. Um,
0: and, and I'm yeah, quoting this on, from the B and H website. When you go to look at the reviews <laughs> of that specific lens, it says God's lens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I, I try not to talk about it very often because I feel like it's a very well-kept secret how good that lens is.
2: no yeah, it's I, not if you get on H, <laughs> that's i mean that's a real thing because i went uh before they came out with the the gen 2 version of that 70 to 200 28. eight mm-hmm. that when i did a lot of the research the, like those tamron lenses and stuff those were sharper lenses than what the original 70 to 200 was. Everyone's like, yeah. they're lighter, they're sharper, don't spend the extra money to get that. Yeah. And then they came out with the Gen 2 version, and then I went down another rabbit hole of comparing <laughs> that to everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, okay. Now, <laughs> I will say
1: the big benefit you have with that over that Tamron is mine's an external zoom where yours is an internal. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that, yeah. that negative, but I get it for sure. You.
0: See, we've already the three of us have jumped down a third rabbit hole of the night talking about cameras.
1: Well Look at us go. when you start start talking about normal guy stuff, I forget we're on a podcast and we'll just have a normal
0: conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> like, why are why do they have Brandon Polinick on and they're talking about what's well, 2.8?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Some
0: people get it. Yeah. Some people get it. Some people get it. But it is fun. I mean, it's a I mean, it's a hobby within the hobby. A lot of times and it kind of, when you get to do those kind of things, I think it, it just adds another element of fun to being out there on the water or, you know, being in the stands and doing the different things with the camera. I mean, it just, it's still your passion for the sport, but it's just another way to have fun with it.
2: Yeah. And the the biggest thing I've learned is that if you're, you're self-filming, it's one thing, if you're doing it with another person, who that person is. Is so important like, <laughs> to to build a good product, a good video. Mm-hmm. You you have it has to be somebody that you're willing to spend a lot of time with, and uh, yeah. and, and someone that, like an idiot, look like an idiot in front of sometimes. Yeah, like that's that's someone that you have to be on the same wavelength with. Yeah, very much. I don't know. If you very much little kid chatting up with <laughs> Storm. She's going, <goes>, hi! <laughs> She's waving at me through the glass. <laughs> Love it.
1: Love it. No, well, yeah.
0: It's...
1: <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
0: No, oh, I'm just flipping through the audience questions. Ask away.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's it just goes back to capturing all the moments and memories and the adventure and having all that, whether you post it or not, just to go back and have it to look back on. In the future i mean i i've killed three animals so far this year and all three of them two of them have been self-filmed and and we did have two angles on the cow in colorado and hopefully I'll, i can get one more doe on camera and remember to turn my gopro on for my second angle this time but it's uh it adds a different element that's for sure it's it's a challenge but it, it makes it all that much more fun too
2: yeah and and being able to look the biggest thing is you never know when something wild like some crazy moment in time is going to happen oh yeah and and sometimes having that is uh you look back on you like wow i can't believe we just got that (laughs) and and then most of the time you don't there's actually more times when you're like gosh if i just had a camera (laughs) running (laughs) if if i'd been recording i would have been recording that would have been awesome.
1: We were recording years ago and I almost took an arrow in the arm, but we won't go down that rabbit hole.
0: It was an accident. (laughs) You didn't take it in the arm. And you didn't it didn't hit almost no part of your body. But yes, it wasn't it was a serious accident that it would have been a very could have been and probably should have been a very serious accident, but that was my fault once (laughs) again. Like I had him go way. down an archery lane. We were shooting indoor and he should have known better. I trusted have you. Known... <laughs> <laughs> that was your first mistake. Um, but I had a back tension release and we were shooting spots in an indoor archery range, and I'm at full draw. And well, he's like setting up the camera, and I'm up here at full draw for like what well, feels like a half an hour. And all of a sudden the back tension release just decides that it's gonna go off. And Gosh. He was down there. My reaction time yeah. was good. It was very good. <laughs> Camera, did, Nobody no cameras were injured, and it was probably one of our dumber moments in life.
1: Yeah, you're like, okay, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no. That was all I needed. <laughs>
0: yeah. That Range was, that is that hot. A...
1: My butt's behind you from now on.
0: Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> you're going to yeah. hang over bridges sometimes and take photos. It just happens. It's just what you do. You don't think about it. You just do it. Well, Brandon, <laughs> I we've had you for like an hour and 15 yeah. minutes, and I know you've got other stuff to do besides sit here and go down these rabbit holes with us, which would be fun. But, um, man, we're going to let you, like, thank the people that you need to thank and tell the folks where to learn more about BMP fishing on the interwebs.
2: Yeah. Um, really just thank you, everyone that's tuned in, listen, ask some questions. Uh, appreciate all of you uh appreciate both of you guys for having me on um yeah me and zach talk a bunch online mostly hunting <laughs> stuff more than fishing okay. stuff actually uh, but <laughs> i figured you get through, to talk
1: fishing all the time so. yeah we talk we're <laughs> yeah.
2: running through arrow setups and all kinds of stuff and we were going through a bunch of that this fall and um it's just been, it has been awesome to connect with you guys. Glad we were able to finally hop on and do this podcast, yeah. uh, which has been great. Uh, That's anyone funny. that doesn't already follow along can follow along pretty much all my, all the social channels are just my name, Brandon Polinick. Uh, if you can't spell my last name, you can just go to bmpfishing.com and find a link to all those there. Um, and then YouTube is just BMP fishing as well, so that's where we we film all the stuff. If you're not familiar with it, haven't seen it, but heard us talking about it, you can go there and and watch all the shenanigans go down. New video drops, new drops tomorrow, tomorrow right? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna drop a new one tomorrow. Plenty hours of entertainment. Tomorrow. Yeah, that one's good. There's a lot of uh, a lot of heartbreak on day one, a lot of triumph on day two. Should be. Qu- Quite interesting. Again, it's one. A I watched the entire edit. <laughs> it's
0: a cinematic revelation about fishing, where love and passion come together to tell a story. Check it out tomorrow. Chad, night are, you, are, you on for, YouTube. are you for voiceovers? Beautiful. That was eloquent.
1: Just for write the copy I, I, in the description.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you about that later. All right, well, guys, thanks for watching, and we'll see uh, you guys two weeks. On the next one.
1: Peace.